Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. If you like our show, you're going to really love the official Lakers podcast. Because the Lakers are really good. And it's on Podcast One. Join host Mike Trudell and co-host Aaron Larsoul every Monday night as they discuss the Lakers news of the day, break down the games from the week, or I should say the wins from the week, and have exclusive interviews from players, coaches, and staff. So don't miss the official Lakers podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's November 14th. We're about to head into week 11. Wow. Feels great. Yeah. Feels great. We've got some good matchups this week. We didn't have great ones last week. We've got some good ones this week. We've got some good news, too. Some things to discuss. And a Monday night game that we haven't talked about yet, which had a lot of interesting kind of parts of it, both the quarterback play, what it means for the playoff picture, and what it kind of says about how teams are constructed today and what wins in the NFL. And then, of course... Lock of the week. In the is the week like, that much better though? The, I think the I think we're because last week's NFL games were very compelling, uh, but from a betting perspective, there was very little value on the board. I think this week there's value on the board, which is what makes it better. Yeah. No, they're just better. You think it's so? okay? I, I understand that you have to have value to feel good about it, but I'm just excited to watch about four or five of these games, and I wasn't last week. There was really like two that I was excited about last week, but yeah, I think Jet, Jets Washington being the the first one <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Buffalo Miami, that's where you're talking about the value. Okay, we'll get there in a second. Um, we're not going to talk about the ethics of the Colin Kaepernick thing, but I'm curious where, if which team could get the most out of him right now? Right now, Ravens. Really? Yeah. Why? I mean, because well, he's played with Greg Roman. Uh, and so he's going to serve as a backup. Yeah, I think he I think right now a discussion it only starts with him being a backup quarterback for a team, hmm. you know, because like he's not coming in I, three years off. Yeah, it's tough, but he could certainly be a backup. And I think um, and I think that if he were a backup for a team where, you know, they accentuated his strengths, that would be obviously the best. Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation because I just don't know if the return on investment for a backup quarterback is there. Yeah, I mean, veteran because minimum, though. I mean, they're paying. Oh, I'm not talking about the money. I'm talking about how much it's going. you have to take on from a media perspective yeah. to bring him on because it's just become such a big story. Um, certainly, he deserves to be a backup somewhere given this that Brian Hoyer is out there tossing I mean, interceptions left and right. But it's Luke a Falk started games this year. Yeah, but it's just a significant investment as far as... But um, what if you're like a, what if you're a team that has a good culture like the Ravens and you're like, look, like let's, let's have the media focus on our backup quarterback and not the fact that we could be the best team in the AFC? I think that's worse for you. Okay. Yeah. I, I also... I, what if what RG3? if it was a te- what if it was is a- RG three that much worse than no. Colin Kaepernick? Right no, now? I don't think so. Yeah. But what if it was a team that had and I hate to call this a distraction, but like what if it was a team that had other distractions that like and this is this is cynical, but like if you're Washington, hmm. your team is just an absolute dumpster. Yeah, your head coach fired. Trent Williams stuff, right? Adrian Peterson's. Well, that's like, one that I think makes the most like, sense because I. Dwayne Haskins does not look great, and maybe you... He uh, hasn't even earned the H in his name yet. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Another one that I could see where he might serve a legitimate backup role um, would be in in Houston, actually. Because... Who is their backup? Exactly. And their backup... RG3 can be some sort of facsimile of Lamar Jackson. There's no one that... Who even is it? I'm not. I'm not even sure. But that that player that comes in for Deshaun Watson isn't going to fill any sort of Deshaun Watson ness, right? And at least Colin Kaepernick has the mobility to where you could still run some of the you know the, the quarterback run plays that can make up for the fact that he can't throw the ball as well um, as the starter, which obviously no backup is going to. All right, uh, I said I'd give you 30 seconds to talk about this. The labor agreement might include the new labor agreement might include a 17 game schedule 
30 yeah. seconds go well i think this is this is drastic implication for betting in the nfl um we've seen this year how backup quarterbacks can influence and take away value from betting lines because the uncertainty it can add value to i think it also widens the um the distance between schedules in terms of strength of schedule because right now the difference between you know where you finish in the standings is just two games a year and not be three um and it also screws everything because everything in the nfl is a power of two 32 teams 16 in each conference four in each division 16 games like i think it's a i think it's a it's a bad decision now if they played if each team played 17 games i would watch all of them but yeah i i just i'm not for it but it'll be interesting to see if they actually get it through great i don't think it matters all that much i don't think it goes through um i don't like the idea of adding just one more game i think it's stupid well and it's also it screws with all of like there's so many uh, the records all this different stuff it's just unreal you know why why for one more game one of the best things the nfl has going for it is that it has a scarcity of games why add more anyways we move forward let's talk about the monday night football game and start at the end kyle shanahan has a chance to basically ensure a tie Mm -hmm. at the end of overtime all he really has to do is have one play that keeps the clock running in his first set of of downs correct and the Niners without George Kittle without Emmanuel Sanders with a quarterback that to that point had I think it was four or five maybe four turnover worthy plays at that point he ended up with five um they throw the ball three straight times and people are kind of going crazy because well if he plays for a tie this might help them down the road I sort of disagree with both of those but I'm I'm curious what you think about it well, first and foremost, the NFL is an entertainment business. So the idea that I I don't think the league long-term benefits from teams playing for ties. No. You know, so that that's something. The other thing is that the probability, so let's just be simple here. Let's assume that Jimmy G's is as bad as he was on Monday Night Football and his receivers also. Let's just say the passing game. 50-50 passes. The probability that all three are incomplete is about is twelve and a half percent. So we're we're talking about a tail event here, uh, and then the fact of the matter is, and then you need like a kind of a not great punt, and then you need you know Seattle to play really well offensively, and then you need a kicker who, frankly, has not been very good this year to squeak a kick through the right upright. Uh, to so basically everything went wrong for San Francisco after that point, and like I if you're. Like, so part of me does think, okay, like look at the schedule and everything like that, and, and a tie would benefit them. But you're it, so explain explain that explain how the tie benefits them that much. Well, I think they're 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 two games up in the loss column versus now they're just a half a game up total. Yeah, but this their schedule is right. I mean, if it you gives them at, it gives them a half a game of 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 wiggle, wiggle room. room, sure. And and it also avoids the tiebreaker scenarios that are sort of like unpredictable. If you have a tie, then, you know, basically, I mean, honestly, it basically brings the game down to, okay, we, we, we either win out or we have to win against Seattle in Seattle is like kind of how it goes. Whereas now, I mean, if Seattle drops, let's say Green Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans, like now they're at four you know they're at four losses and seattle they still have a tough schedule as well but like i think it just gives them a little bit of leeway um so i agree with the point that the tie would benefit san francisco more than seattle it would benefit seattle with respect to the division yeah it's all about the schedule which is exactly what you brought up because san francisco has that green bay and then two road games baltimore new orleans it's really feasible that they they lose all of those games so instead of going into seattle maybe 12 and 3 they they could legitimately go in there with four losses and seattle has at philly then minnesota but then the next three games are rams panthers cardinals so there there is a really good shot you know for seattle to win against either philly or minnesota and be in the driver's seat heading into the home game in week 17 and that's that's not something that you want as a team that started 8-0 if you're the Niners. Going back to those last set of three plays, I went back and rewatched them because to me, the thing that bothered me was I had a memory of them going deep 
on those plays. And that first play they ran was really a, a run play. It was an easy completion, and I believe it was Kendrick Bourne just totally... There are no easy completions when your receivers are Kendrick Bourne. That's I mean, it was a disaster in terms of a drop, like one of the worst that you could possibly imagine. So I do think that San Francisco had that in their in their mind, and that's why they tried to get that easy completion. Um, but they played to win the game, and I agree with you. I would rather watch that than watching a team after i've invested that much time and i'm peeling my eyes open the last thing i want to see is the culmination of this be some team just say ah you know what screw it well and that's and that's the point of this entire exercise i mean like we work in football that's where that's where our careers are but like at the end of the day we have to peel the peel back the onion and say this is entertainment and there's like the morality of the situation, what's right and wrong, is like secondary to the fact that like two years ago, people were wondering if the NFL was going to die because of stupid like TV yeah. ratings that you know weren't really tied to reality. But like you, you can't do that, right? You can't if you're the NFL, you make enough mistakes already. You can't, you know, you can't encourage a system uh, that has teams play for ties. Now, to that point, though, should we even reevaluate what the overtime? is in the nfl like why did you reduce it to like of all the things that would reduce injuries in the nfl reducing overtime from 15 minutes to 10 was a really bad decision in my opinion it causes it causes games like this right where the there's going to be more ties and ties are sort of this thing where it's like it's very unsatisfying at the end well i'm not saying add a second overtime but i don't know if you're aware of this but when when there's a tie no one wins right but the the other thing is okay. I get I get adding There's no winners. I get it adding. It sucks. That's why. That's literally why you play sports is to win, and a tie is the absence of that. So it's awful. And I, I'm glad that there is some sense of morality that that coaches have to play for a win, since that's the freaking goal to begin with. And if you're going to cut it down from 10 to 15, which I agree with you, is not is not great. At least we still have coaches trying to win the game but the the other thing is the other thing is that i get i get having wanting the sort of volleyball of like okay if you kick a field goal then the other team gets a chance to beat you but like it also takes this like it overtime is just super awkward to me right now in the nfl and and you'd almost rather not have overtime at all than to have the one that they have currently because it's just it's this silly like game theory thing where like coaches really show that they have kind of no clue how they how they go about these things. I mean, Pete Carroll punted on fourth and two at the two minute warning, and the, like right, right, right. If, if anybody should be getting flack, it should be Carroll for playing for the tie. That's a really really good point. That fourth and two was was unreal. I I, I didn't understand it, and with. With Russell Wilson, you've got to think you have so many options. I mean, the cool thing about Russell Wilson is they run the read option a ton, but he almost never, never gives it. keeps it. He's like the you know Lamar Jackson keeps it more than anyone else. Uh, Russell Wilson almost never keeps it. You have so many options at your disposal, and you don't use one of them. Um, and and that was kind of a disaster. Let's rewind now to the kind of rest of the game, because what we saw in this game was exactly what we talked about prior to which is you've got a very good team in the san francisco 49ers who almost overcame injuries to their two best offensive players and kept it close and a very strong defense that managed to make a bunch of plays versus a team that had the best player in the nfl the most valuable player in the nfl and like one or two other good players and no one else and the team with the better quarterback and the better stars ended up winning the game. Yeah, and this was something we talked about last season when we, you know, we were discussing this idea of betting Seattle over seven and a half wins. Was this okay? Yeah, sure. Their roster is depleted. Their coaching staff is sort of like questionable at best, you know, in terms of offensive play calling. But they have superstars, you know, the Wagners, you know, the the Frank Clark at the time, and and so you know, uh, uh, Doug Baldwin. And then this year, they got rid of Frank Clark. They, Doug Baldwin retires. Earl Thomas leaves. And we thought to ourselves, okay, is this finally enough? Like, it's Bobby Wagner, Tyler Lockett, and Russell Wilson. And then they go out and get Jadavian Clowney. And we saw in Monday Night Football how the existence of players like that can 
like the the whether it's like a silo or a barbell like this oftentimes the barbell wins because those great players can just make plays that turn football games and football isn't a football isn't like the slow and steady wins the race it's big plays it's big plays and and those you know great players can sort of do that so I don't know if it's a long-term winner for Seattle because you know certainly they're more dependent on the um, they're more dependent on the big play and the big players being healthy and good than a team like San Francisco is. But it worked on Monday night, I guess. Yeah, the Jadavian Clowney is an interesting point because uh, he is definitely a player who gets more media attention than his play deserves because of his college career, because he was picked so highly, um, and because of the the way that things worked out in Houston. He is not that great of a player. He's a better run defender than he is pass rusher. And to me, that was almost more an indictment of the, the Niners' pass protection and the fact that they've invested so highly in Mike McGlinchey. And, um, and it, it wasn't a good look for, for them as much as it was a good look for Jadavian Clowney. But I do think this underscores the things that a great quarterback can cover up. The Bears went out and traded for a superstar in Khalil Mack. Now, you'd have re- rather have Khalil Mack than Jadavian Clowney, but it doesn't matter because he doesn't have anyone close to Russell Wilson right. who can make up for it, right? And so that's the thing. You're, not, you're going to be an irrelevant five-win team unless you have a quarterback that's going to push you over the threshold. Once you have a quarterback that can push you over the threshold, there is this element of, if I can just get one more great player mm-hmm. or two more great players— that can mean a lot at the expense of at the expense of uh, uh, you know positions around the the team, and that's why you know for example Josh Gordon would help a Seahawks team more than he'd help a Bears team. Mm-hmm. He would help a Seahawks team more than he would help a Minnesota Vikings team because you can't catch things that are uncatchable, right? And 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 but the other, the other thing is is like you just need big players like that to make big plays and Gordon did on, well, he's on, literally on Monday, big. Monday night. What do you think he is like 270? Look, man, he's, he's, like, he's like a good Mike Williams. Remember Mike Williams at a USC? Yeah. He's like a good version of that. I mean, he's, All the, he's also so a former Seahawk, but he's so jacked. The, the, um, the, the interesting thing is, is we continue to say this about the Seahawks and for whatever reason, they, they luck into these things. And I do think it's more, luck than something we're not measuring like i think Pete carroll does a pretty good job of building culture and all that stuff although earl thomas would probably disagree but to me it's 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 a lot of luck right Hmm. san francisco misses a field goal in overtime that would have beat them the rams missed a field goal yep that would have beat them at the buzzer uh cleveland made a meal out of that game that they played with them um and i and big ben roethlisberger gets hurt in pittsburgh when they when they win that game uh, so, you know, not to say that Seattle doesn't deserve to be eight and two. What, I, what we're saying is like, they're probably not, you shouldn't handicap them as an eight and two team, uh, the rest of the way. Who wins the NFC West? Uh, man. Um, well, Seattle plays at home in the last game of the season. So I think I'd have to give the edge to them plus quarterback too. Yep. That's the scary thing is I think the same thing because of how San Francisco faced their first really good team and it was without Emmanuel Sanders without George Kittle but they they lost at home and that's not a good sign and we're going to see their defense regress as the season goes on just because they're going to play better offenses so I, I agree with you if Seattle gets a first round bye, I feel like betting on the team that comes in and plays them in the in CenturyLink or whatever is a is going to be like a value play like if Seattle finishes 12 and 4 and has to face let's go with like Green Bay or Minnesota in round in round 2 on the at home I feel like that's a good I it's interesting maybe Philadelphia too like some team like that coming in because mm-hmm. I think I think they're going to be far I think there's going to be so many like narratives that are way overvalued for Seattle oh they well, they got a week off they, they play have at the home. MVP they have the MVP all that kind of stuff and that that to me will be fascinating. I still I have a hard time seeing them get the one seed though. I think Green or sorry the the two seed or the one seed. I think Green Bay and New Orleans now are probably the favorites to take yes. those in the NFC. Yep. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's close out on this. We had a little discussion yesterday about the coach of the year, and I brought up John Gruden and some other people. Uh, Bruce brought up Mike Tomlin. You know, if these teams make it to the playoffs, these guys should be in the coach of the year discussion. And it turns out that uh, great minds think alike. 
Yeah, Brett Favre, who up until his like third season league didn't know what a nickel defense was, but is was like intuitively one of the smartest players to ever play. Uh, said that John Green should be coach of the year. That is something that you have said. That is something that we have talked about uh, repeatedly as sort of how much he's getting out of that team. So great minds think alike. Go check it out. It's um, I think it's up on YouTube yet. I don't think so. I don't think they come out till later. It would be nice if it was. But they're, yeah, go to they're called the backroom chat. I yep. think that's what they call them. We call them the backdoor chat just because. Um, and it's a good conversation with myself, yourself, Steve Palazzolo, and Bruce Krakowski. And Bruce is wearing an outfit that you've got to see. So I would go check it out. Um, <laughs> you ready to get on to games? Yeah. All right. We've got, uh, we're going to choose our lock of the week here first. Last week, we, the Seahawks were our lock of the week at plus six and a half. Um, I made sizable investments here because I wanted to make up for all of the weeks that we got wrong. So like I'm, a Martingale strategy that, yes. that appears uh, to have at least worked this one time. And I'm making a sizable donation this week um, yeah. as a result. So I'm pretty pumped about it uh, because I haven't been able to make a, a donation to the, the charity that I've chosen. Um, you can go check it out uh, on Twitter. We have both those charities posted. We hope that you guys get involved so that you can root for something uh, along with your bet. Root for something good. All right. We're going to start with Thursday Night Football because it's actually a very compelling game. The Pittsburgh Steelers facing the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland wins one game, and everyone jumps right back in. They're a three-point favorite now. They were two and a half yesterday and early this morning um, when we when we printed our article. But they're now three. So with it at three, how are you feeling? I think you got to like Cleveland here still. Um, well, and here's the other thing. So it's three even money, two and a half minus one to what we printed on the website today. Um, those are basically equivalent bets. So go, you know, with, with which with whatever you'd like, you know. Um, but I think you, I think you have to like Cleveland here. I think as we wrote up, the Steelers have won five of their last six. But what have they won five of their last six based on? Just an egregious amount of turnovers. 26 turnovers so far this year for us. Second, and they're only one turnover behind the New England Patriots, who are the best defense since the 85 Bears. So, and and you look you look a little bit deeper and you say, okay, who has Pittsburgh faced? Well, last week, uh, last week they faced the Rams, which, as we talked about on last week's pod, the Rams are not a good offense right now. They faced Indianapolis with Brian Hoyer, and they won that game because Brian Hoyer threw a pick six in the red zone. Uh, they faced Cincinnati. That was their, I believe, their first win. Uh, and, you know, uh, they faced Miami again, got behind 14 nothing, so on and so forth, right? So they have not faced good offenses. They've gotten a fair amount of turnovers for us. They turned, a, they turned over Jimmy G like five times in that game that we had them mm-hmm. in, right? And you say, okay, well, that's, that's great, but the Browns are a turnover machine. They're a disaster offensively. So can't these two things cor- correlate with each other and, 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 and imply a Pittsburgh Steelers win? And that's, and that's a good point, except for the fact that all these things are unstable, right? Uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, is Baker Mayfield has thrown a lot of turnover-worthy passes, but Mason Rudolph has thrown more as a function of his dropbacks than Baker Mayfield um, you know, the, the drops that, you know, Mayfield's had, the batted passes Mayfield's had, all of those things are sort of regressible terms. And so, you know, you're sort of still buying Cleveland at the bottom of their market. You're buying, you're selling Pittsburgh at the top of the market. This just makes a lot of sense uh, to go with Cleveland here, minus the points. Can I give you a counter argument? No. I'd like to give you one anyways. <laughs> uh, do you know who coaches the Cleveland Browns? Yes, we, we made it. Yes, we've made that very clear. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens. Case well, in point. Well, here's the here's the thing. As though. A, Freddie Kitchens as a favorite in a game that now matters. I mean, the, the Browns are funny because last year everyone jumped on the bandwagon as a result of them winning games that didn't matter anymore. And in every game that has mattered, they have basically just pooped themselves. Right? No one expected them to show up against Buffalo, so they show up. Now all of a sudden they've got a shot. Everyone's talking about, can they make the playoffs now? Is everything better? And the fundamentals underneath it are just a travesty. I mean, 12 plays inside the five, they score zero touchdowns. Um, That is what we call making a meal out of 
Maybe yeah. maybe they should put a meal in the end zone, and then Freddie Kitchens can figure out a way inside it. Horrible, uh, <laughs> terrible person. <laughs> it's just they they look they still look discombobulated. They beat Josh Allen on the road. I don't think they deserve um, a medal for it. Um, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are the type of team that worries me a little bit against the Browns, and here's why: they are going to put pressure on the quarterback. Now, that means they can get beat because they're going to blitz a lot to do so. But if we know anything about Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns so far, it's that they have handled pressure poorly, whether it's from the outside or on the field. And that worries me about this. So I I think the right side and the math says the right side is the Cleveland Browns. But I am a little tentative. Two and a half is, is the number that I would go with. Remember, if you want to see more of the sides for all these games or if there's any game that we brush over that you want to check out, go to PFF.com, get yourself an elite subscription, and then you can see all this stuff. Uh, With uh, PFF Greenline, you also get all the FBS content. Here's a question for the total because it's right now at 42. I've looked at it's it's gone up, right? And and so public likes betting overs. Pittsburgh, as we've talked about, you know, one of the worst teams in the NFL in early parts of games as is Cleveland, right? I mean, both of those teams are very slow out the gate. Does this entice you at all to bet something like under 20, under 20 first half points? You know my religion. I bet on things that are correlated with the team's incentives, which are to win the game, and that ain't one of them. So I am staying away. Okay. See, because see, I, I, I can see liking – I can understand why you'd bet over – total game the guess game might go into overtime you know uh mayfield might figure it out obviously rudolph has been a guy who's figured it out later in games but first half i think these two teams play patty cake for you know sure and 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 go under the total but that's all they, i mean both quarterbacks have a propensity for turning the ball over yeah so them playing badly to start the game could be um could be detrimental to that all right next up we have a a very good game the game that i've been waiting for this whole week, the Houston Texans and the Baltimore Ravens. And we're going to discuss this one because on Monday morning, early Monday morning, um, Houston was one of my favorite bets. I think it was four and a half at that moment. Baltimore minus four and a half. And since then, it is now, let me check at this moment, it was three and a half. It is now Baltimore three and a half. So I got four and a half earlier in the week. I felt pretty good about it. The model was eh, kind of ambivalent. Do you think this line movement is valid? Yeah. Right. Well, the, the problem is Houston, the perception of Houston is that their defense is bad and banged up. Mm-hmm. But I think Baltimore's defense is not as good as, you know, uh, as the results have been for them as a team. So I think public perception is and actually this numbers move down. Obviously, people agree with you. But the but the public is probably going to like the Ravens here because they're hot. They have an MVP candidate and quarterback. They have a way better defense than Houston. Yep. Special teams are better. Coach is better. Blah, 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 blah. And to the point that we just talked about with respect to Seattle, Houston's defense is not that much worse than the Ravens. And their superstar power is higher. Mm-hmm. And so when that comes into play... I kind of like Watson and Hopkins to keep this game close. Now, I don't know if I bet it at plus three and a half. I think the value is sunken out of that. But I, I, do think that the, I do think that the move towards Houston is warranted. Okay. Let's discuss this game um, from a more macro standpoint. You've got Sean Watson. You've got Lamar Jackson. You're starting a franchise tomorrow, and you get one of these guys. Which one do you take? Uh, I, I take Deshaun Watson. I, the only reason is, is I like to fade recency bias. And I think I think Lamar Jackson, deservingly so, is getting a lot of credit for being awesome. And Deshaun Watson is behind in terms of public perception. But 
probably ahead in terms of the fundamentals you need to be a great quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, it's very interesting. Deshaun Watson, to me, has been saddled with one of the most subpar situations in the NFL, the Houston Texans. They have zero offensive line. They don't have they have a coach that's trying to be the GM. Now, I think Bill O'Brien is like, I don't think he's a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination. Probably median or better. Right. But he's not John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh is probably going to be coach of the year this year has one of the is one of the best ceos in the entirety of of the nfl and the baltimore ravens are a great organization the houston texans have have struggled have floundered and deshaun watson has come in and has taken that team from literally nothing to an actual contender whereas i think lamar jackson and i love lamar jackson i said i i bet on him for rookie of the year i would have taken him over alan rosen we talked about this ad nauseum is more of a product of a great organization not to say he's not great but that is that is imbuing that is a lot of the reason he's been so good Mm -hmm. so to me watson is the guy for me like a macro level that i want because i think he's gonna i know he's gonna lift that organization up but here's the other thing lamar jackson is taking they're taking advantage of his running in a way that is scheme specific the texans just don't do that yeah and i actually think you could do that much better with deshaun watson because he's a better thrower of the football and so there's there is actually more like the defense is going to be even more frazzled because they have to be so much more worried about him throwing the ball. And he has just proven that he is never down and out. The Ravens have done a great job of saying, when we get ahead, we're going to win. And that's why they emphasize the first 15 plays of the game. They're the best team in the NFL in the first 15 yep. plays of the game. And it helps. But when, when it comes to the second half and your team is down, you know, the highest graded quarterback in the NFL is. Well, it's Sean Watson. It's Deshaun Sean Watson. Yeah, yeah. Because, because he's, yeah, because that team is not, got the great infrastructure he has to come back and why why he's one of the most maddening people to bet against whereas to your point when has Lamar Jackson been behind this season he's been behind I guess they did come back to win against Pittsburgh but that was kind of you know it's Pittsburgh but Kansas City needed some prayers to get back in that game they ultimately didn't win Cleveland we actually gained ground on them down the stretch in that game and then every other game has been basically them being ahead that is part of their shtick and as we saw last year in the playoffs against the Chargers that you can't always assume that that's going to happen. You can't always assume you're going to get a lead and you need a quarterback that's uh, whose performance is up to the task independent of how the game starts. Now, I think both of these guys are probably, what, top seven, top five? Yeah. Deshaun Watson is is maybe top three. It's Mahomes. Yeah. Wilson. Uh, Mahomes, Wilson. Let me, uh, let me see. Ask. I'm going to Sean, I think, after that. As far as as far as starting a franchise tomorrow, I love Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, how do we how do we consider guys like Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford? Are they too old? Too old. Okay, because I think they'll be around for a lot longer. But yeah, I mean, you said the same about Andrew Luck, though. Yes, I also (laughs) I also picked Wilson in the same in the same draft. Who's now the MVP? I guess. Yeah. Well, you put the kibosh on. What about what about Carson Wentz? Where does Carson Wentz rank in that group? Behind those guys. Okay, and then of course Goff is way behind those guys. Um, trying to. I'm just going through, yeah. and then Murray's. I think he still has a lot to prove. Same with Garoppolo. Yeah, Dak okay. is up there. Dak is up there. Dak is very much up there. He's been yeah. great this year. Uh, Deshaun Watson is is number two, in, in my opinion, the MVP. Now it's a distant two, but I think he's solidly at number two. Okay, uh, this is gonna be a great game. Can't wait to watch it, and I'm happy I bet it early. That's why you should listen on on Monday morning. Come hang out with us, Atlanta, Carolina. Jeez. This is a this is exactly what we foresaw. The Falcons, they suck. They're terrible. They're down and out. No one no one on the Falcons cares. They go into New Orleans, they beat New Orleans. Um, and now and now they have the Panthers and they're five point underdogs. And they've got Matt Ryan and they've got Julio Jones and they've got Dan Quinn coaching the D line. They're playing in enthused football. Unbelievable. And wouldn't you know that the math says, well, maybe there's some value there. Yeah. And I, I, I obviously like the Falcons. I think I bet them at plus six. But the the tough part, and there are some reasons why you, you would like to fade Carolina here. Came off a very tough loss there, like a kitchen sink sort of loss, yep. loss in the snow. Coming back home. But sort of like if you look at the – and they feel like a contender in the NFC given how their season has shook out. But right now, if they were to win this game, they still only have a 16% chance to w- make the playoffs. Yep. 
they lose it, they drop all the way down to six. So this is a big game for them. But it's not as big as some people think, right? I think that their bubble, for as, as far as the playoffs are concerned in the NFC, has been burst already. So how does that play in? McCaffrey has sat out a decent amount of this week with a foot injury. Yep. As much as running backs don't matter, they go through him, right? They don't and, have and, much else. And they don't have much else. Um, DJ Moore has been great this year, but, but you know they don't a ton there. So I can see Carolina being weaker here. Mm-hmm. The Falcons, the only issue with the Falcons that I see is, you know, Austin Hooper's injured. He's probably not going to play. He's actually been very good this year. And and, and Matt Ryan has looked to him in, in a number of spots. Um, so that that's troubling. What I the bet I really do like in this game, though, I, I of course, Atlanta, I think all the way down to maybe plus four and a half, but also under forty nine. I really like the under. And um, the thing is with Atlanta, they they still have this like sliver of playoff hope alive. If yeah. they can win this game. It's like 1% or something. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's, I think, less than 1%. Uh, no, it's, cl- it's very close. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so there's like a little bit of, well, you know, kitchen sink game number two. We beat New Orleans. We beat Carolina too. And Kyle Allen is just not a guy that is a five-point favorite. I feel good about. I mean, I thought he played he played inspired football in the snow in Green Bay in the place that he'd always wanted to play. But he has been a turnover-worthy play machine. And as a five-point favorite, we talked about this with Jameis Winston. That's just not the type of guy. A guy who, on 5% of his dropbacks, is giving the defense a chance to get a turnover ain't the guy I want as a five-point favorite. So, yeah. um I'm not telling you about the Falcons because I, I swore that off. I said I would never do that yeah. again, and I can't. I can't tell you to do that. We're never going to write up another Falcons game because the issue is going to be, oh, they've covered five weeks in a row. How square would it be to finally write them up? Yep. Versus they covered one game in a row. How square would it be to finally write them up? So, uh, yeah. Nope, not going to happen. Yeah. So save yourselves. Buffalo, Miami. Miami is currently a six-and-a-half-point favorite. All right. <laughs> underdog they should be yeah just kidding six and a half point underdog at home against the bills so here's what i've got better quarterback at home getting more than six yeah my my concern is my concern is the number here in that just a couple weeks ago Greenline liked obviously miami plus 17 at home or plus 17 in buffalo give buffalo three and a half points of home field advantage ish so that's 13 and a half now they're six and a half point underdogs. You know, let's see, be hugely generous, right, and give uh, you know Miami three and a half points of home field advantage. Now you're talking about at worst a three and a half point difference. Buffalo, yeah, they lost in Cleveland. That's not that's not a great look. Uh, they struggled. They did cover against Washington, but they weren't extremely impressive against them at home. Uh, a couple, you know, but prior to I believe their bye. And then the Dolphins, you know, the Dolphins have won two in, two in a row against two really bad teams. Let's be honest. Indy without without Brissett is not a great team. So, but I don't think a three and a half point adjustment is all that warranted. So, how much off was that initial seventeen point spread? Is really the question as to whether or not you want to bet Miami plus the points here. And so you're doing it. I, I think I'm doing it because I don't think the Bills should have ever been seventeen point favorites right. against any NFL team. Yeah. And hence, even if, like, let's say Miami's a point or two better than they were, it's worth it here through the number of six to, to bet them plus six and a half here, I, I, I believe. And they're so far away from the number one pick now, too, that I don't think tanking comes into play here. I, I, they're, we actually have them projected to win five games now. You know, they're nowhere near the worst team in the NFL. Cincinnati is at best probably going to win one or two games. Yeah. And so Miami and the thing is, is Miami shouldn't feel like they have to tank because they have so many draft picks that it's if they actually bad. like a guy at, at one, they can move the mountains to get him. So what tanking, yeah. what people call tanking in a negative sense, Miami did in a positive sense, which is to say the best way you can rebuild a team is with draft capital. Let's get draft capital and then see where the chips fall. And that's what they're doing. And Brian Flores is trying to build a culture there that with the players that remain can bring those guys in and actually be good. 
Mm-hmm. That, that is what they are trying to do. It's what the Sixers did, and it's what the Dolphins are now trying to do. And that doesn't mean that they have to throw games. So I don't believe that they are. Um, next up into consideration, the Denver Broncos are going to face your Minnesota Vikings. It's 10.5. I think it was 11. It was. It's now, sort of been ping pong between 11.5 and 10.5. And so sorry, one, 11 and 10.5. One part of me goes, okay, the Broncos tackles really bad like really 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 bad i don't know why they're not playing dalton reisner tackle he's it, better than freaking uh, bowls well he's better than bowls and he's also better than the like uh, jawan james slash randomness they've had at right tackle wilkinson was just oh my god so then you've got the denver broncos as a whole are not a very good team this just feels like a, oh kirk cousins plays really well and the defense eats them alive and then you're also like Man, ten and a half is a lot of points. Vic Fangio's a real coach. Yeah. Denver's coming off of a bye. Um Minnesota's coming off of a big and win. and a Sunday night game, so they have a little bit less rest than they would normally have. They're also going into their bye week. So next week they they have a bye. They also have a ton of injured players. So if you look at Limbell Joseph's injured, uh Adam, Adam Thielen's Thielen. injured, and now they have a bunch of uh, players who are sort of questionable, right? You're talking about Trey Waynes, who missed Sunday Night Football, uh, Josh Klein, who got a concussion in that game, Anthony Harris is questionable, uh, Mackenzie Alexander's questionable. So, like, there's a ton, there's reasons to bet Denver here if you have any trust in Brandon Allen. And, you know, you look at Brandon Allen's performance a couple weeks ago against Cleveland. He had 143 pass rating when pressured. He had zero big time throws, zero turnover worthy plays. That, I think you can throw that game out the window in terms of predictive power. Right. There's no reason to say, hey, I like Brandon Allen because of that game. Denver's defense is good. And I think the Vikings. So Fangio has had Kirk Cousins' number as a member of the Bears, right? I mean, he. He was very instrumental in sort of shutting down um, Kirk. And his quarterback was Mitch Trubisky, who is better than Brandon Allen, but not by as much as oh, people think. think. So. Yeah, that's a bold take. So I don't know. I, I, I think I think I'll end up <clears throat> I think I'll end up being on the side of Denver in this game. Um, but I don't know if it's lock of the week material just because it's really freaking hard. This feels like when we backed Derek Anderson last year when he played for Buffalo, it's just like. Yeah, there's a wide range of quarterback play that gets Denver within 10 points in this game. But like we don't know that much about Brandon Allen and he could very well be out of that range. The only thing I will say about this is I don't know if I should have if Joe Flacco were playing in this game. I think you would have more confidence in it. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure we should. Like I think Brandon Allen at least is mobile and that gives them a huge like. I, there's no way that you, I think you can say he's worse than Joe Flacco. So I agree with you. There's just too much unknown, but 10.5 is a lot of points. Next up, Kansas City goes to Mexico City and welcomes in the Los Angeles the Chargers of Carson. <laughs> Potentially All London. the people going from Missouri to, to so, uh, Mexico. The Guadalajara Chargers. And, um, and the Kansas City Chiefs, are clearly the favorite here we talked about this on monday we liked you know the the opening line we liked the chiefs covering that four and a half i think it was uh and now it's at four and and actually in some spots three and a half minus 110 so you can even get better uh, number here so i have two i have two options for you i have chiefs covering four and i have chiefs chargers total going over 52 I have much more faith in the in the total going over because I there's so much more knowns here. I know Patrick Mahomes is great, right? I also know that if Patrick Mahomes were to get injured, that Matt Moore can do can do some things here. We already know yeah. that. I also know that the Chiefs defense is terrible. Yeah, you know, I was I was on the ride in with Neil this morning talking about the Chiefs linebackers and how they're not good at anything. Like they can't stop the run, they can't defend the pass. So like. The, what we wrote, we wrote this up on the website. When you think about, okay, what are the ways that this game could go wrong? It takes me back to the Chargers versus the Green Bay Packers two weeks ago, where the Chargers are efficient offensively but slow, 
and they take the ball and march all the way down the field for nine minutes and kick a field goal to start the game, and you're completely behind the eight ball. And that worries me, and it, it really does worry me because that's kind of how they like to play. However, when I go back and look at how the Chiefs play a game, the game against Tennessee was an under game for the majority of the time. And it, it ended up being close. Right? It went back and forth between being a one-score game and two-score game. And when push came to shove, a quarterback like Brian Tannehill was able to get points yeah. on, on the Chiefs' defense. And as many... As much as Rivers has his faults, especially late in his career, I think that's what happens. So here's the the narrative that I really like about this game. The Chiefs are the best. You know, the, the Ravens are the best this season. But over the past two years, the best team to start games has been the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. They throw the ball at the highest rate, highest yards per play, most touchdowns scored. They are awesome to start the game. And while the Los Angeles Chargers would love nothing more than to spend 10 minutes running the ball down the field and kicking a field goal to start the game. The Chiefs defense is also going to make it much easier for them to take less than nine minutes should they get the ball to start the game. So I think even no matter kind of how it permutes out to start the game, the Chiefs get out to a lead. And you know what I love about that? Phil Rivers. He's just throwing the ball up and praying. And that means they're going to score some touchdowns. That means the Chiefs are going to get some turnovers. They're going to have some quick strikes. And the Chiefs are going to, because of what happened last week, mm-hmm. they are going to want to come out and put 50 on the board. I agree. They want to leave no doubt. Because well, if they lose another game, 35-33, that is a horrible look. And people are going to start questioning whether that franchise is a legit contender. Well, and Andy Reid is nothing if not a person that that – adapts a little bit right mm-hmm. the last time the chiefs play the chargers on thursday night football in week i believe it was 15 last year they had a 28 14 lead in the fourth quarter and Chargers scored chiefs were conservative Chargers scored again yep. took the two-point conversion got the win you gotta think that's going to be on his mind the, the the way to beat teams like the chargers who are playoff team i would still consider them a playoff team even though they're not going to make it this year the way to beat teams like the Chargers is to just keep the pedal on the metal. And, and it's a way to beat most teams. Right, exactly. But uh, so the, I, I like that. I also, you know, if you're somebody who 52 seems like a huge number to you, for the very same reason you talk about Chiefs early game, 24 and a half first half is available to you. Chiefs over 13 and a half minus 130 is available to you. To me, those are great bets, right? I mean, if you fifty-two divided by divided by two is far more than twenty-four and a half, right? So yeah. if you if you uh, want to, you know, go on, you know, the scripted play steam, that's a really good one as well. Yeah, you know, I hate those, but I do like that one. Yeah, <laughs> I hate most of those first half uh, bets. I like that one. Okay, so we've got Cleveland uh, favored by two and a half. We have Atlanta. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We don't have Atlanta's not for consideration. We have Miami plus six and a half at home. We have Denver plus ten and a half on the road. And we have Kansas City, Los Angeles Chargers over fifty two. Where which one of these is going to help us donate to a good cause this week? Try and get back on a good roll. When's the last time we had a lock of the week be a total? It was well the Chargers game. But like when has it been a full game total? It was uh, probably all the way back to twenty seventeen, right? Yep. And I think it was Bears Lions. Bears Lions on a Saturday game. One of the worst games I've ever watched. Yeah, the Lions wore those like was, gray dumb jerseys. Was it Christmas Eve? No, it was or was it could it, have been. No, it wasn't or, a Christmas or was it weekend. After Thanksgiving. It was, it was, I think, week 15. So it was like a week before Christmas. It was, I remember because I was. It was an atrocity. Uh, and even like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, and, it, but what was the characters of that game? Well, Detroit had a good offense, but the Bears didn't, right? Like both of these teams, like you have to convince me not to bet this over that the Chargers, um, that the Chargers don't have a, a brilliant uh, a, a brilliant enough offense to make hay out of the Chiefs defense, and I just don't see it. I don't. I, you know, are you saying you want to go with over in Mexico City? Because that's well, where I want to go. Okay, let's do it. I want to watch Tess Points. and Boog, Andrew, Pat, Phil, 
I want to just sit back, relax with a yeah, little yeah. bit of popcorn and just watch some points go up on the board. So the lock of the week is Kansas City and the Los Angeles Chargers going over 52 total points. Root for points on Monday night. It, it just can't get any better. The best thing about this is if you have a nice little bet on Monday night, it doesn't matter what happens on Sunday. You just watch Sunday. You're like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to get mad. Because I got Monday Night Football. Yeah, Monday Night Football. Yeah, and, and and that's it'll be it'll be fun. Let's do that. All right, there are two more games that beg to be talked about because they're interesting. So we're going to talk a little bit about them um, and where the lines, if there's any you know kind of value there. And then there are a bunch of crappy games. We're going to steam through those. Of course, you can go to pff.com, Green Line, and check out all of the analysis on all of those games if you want. Highly recommend it. New England goes to Philadelphia rematch of one of the best super bowls we've ever watched yeah our boss was on the call it's a pretty good game doug peterson took bill belichick and uh pulled his pants down in front of everyone in the entire universe the eagles are at home the patriots are coming off of a loss and of a bye and they're just three and a half point underdogs on monday we were in favor of the patriots the math says maybe pump the brakes a bit what what is the what, do we, what did we not see on Monday that we should be seeing? Well, I think it's actually fairly clear that Carson Wentz is playing better than Tom Brady this season. Wow. And we're not seeing that, the fruits of that because, uh, you know, as we talked about in the backroom chat yesterday, they're running too much on early downs. Mm-hmm. There's nothing our, – our friend Doug likes doing more than handing the ball to Jordan Howard. Like nothing. Like it just gives him – just gives him great joy – um, and, and so that that's really curbing, I think, some of the, the, the stuff that Wentz do. Wentz, Wentz is producing a positively graded throw on 30% of his dropbacks this year. Mm-hmm. Like, he's been tremendous. You know who else is doing that? Ryan Tannehill. Well, sure, but the sample size is bigger. And Carson, and Wentz is limiting negatively graded, or sorry, uh, turnover-worthy plays. He's about 2.5% per, uh, you know, percent. So... You know, and, and expected points per pass play is point oh six for Philly. It's point oh nine for New England. Which again, if you factor in the you know the supporting cast, New England doesn't have a great supporting cast. But but Wentz has been you know he's been throwing the ball to Cheeseburger Eddie and and uh, you know yeah. and some you know injured players here. Uh, Deshaun Jackson has not played for them all season. So Philly going into a bye to me has to regroup. Right, they yep. went into this season thinking their offense was going to be about Jackson deep, Ertz. Jeffrey, uh, the running backs underneath, and good offensive line play. And it's clear that Jackson's not going to be a part of their offense this year. And so, you know, they're a smart team. So they go into the bye, I think, and regroup and say, okay, what do we want to be offensively? Much like their Super Bowl season where Wentz gets hurt and Foles looks like trash for like three games. They get the bye. And, you know, Foles had a pretty noisy game against Atlanta, but like, you know, he, they eventually built an infrastructure for him to succeed. I think that happens. Yep. So that's the narrative for e- the Eagles. We already know what Belichick is off of a bye, off of losses of 10 points or more, yep. all that kind of stuff. We know that. And so if you're going to back the Patriots, you have that, those trend zones uh, going for you. Love nothing more than that. Um, but I think that there is a case to be made for the Eagles side here. Yeah, the case against it is that the Eagles just have disappointed at every turn and are uh, a team that's going to get off to a bad start. And there's probably no team I like more than Tom Brady, you know, with, with a lead. lead. Yeah. Um, so this one worries me. And that's why to be perfectly honest, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't bet it. If I'm in a pick em league, I'm probably, I'm saying, look, if I'm, if I'm going to pick up a game on, on someone, it's going to be because I take a little value against the Patriots. And that this is an opportunity to do it. Here's a question. Philly's defense has been terrible this year on the back end. They've gotten a little healthier, a little better over the last couple weeks. Does New England have the horses to beat them over the top, or is it another Buffalo situation where is it, it's not a Buffalo situation in that the quarterback's at, not accurate down the field, but is it another Buffalo situation where they're New not England, able to take they're not able to take advantage of the downfield passing because of the receivers are just not you know Sanu's good, Edelman's good, but they're more underneath players, which kind of plays into a weak Eagles defense. Yeah, plus the the Patriots offensive line, I think you would say, is nowhere near what it was. Um, you just you know, got a pressure on Marshall past. Newhouse. Exactly. Okay. So I, it'll be a very interesting game to watch because if the, if the Patriots come out flat, there'll be a lot of doubters. A lot of haters writing off Tom Brady. 
Rams Bears is on Sunday night, and this is a game that I want to talk about uh, for really two reasons. Should the Rams be six point favorites no. against anybody? No. I'm... And then the second question is a loss for which team is is a worse look? Oh, it's the Rams. I mean, I think people have already the Bears fans have written off the Bears already. Like, Bears fans are putting Cam Newton in Bears uniforms. The on, bet, uh, yeah, and our friend Justice Mosqueda had a great tweet said, well, well, what are you trading for Newton? You have no picks. So um, in this game, it's tough for me because I think that the I think that the Rams. They still should have some motivation here to make the playoffs. They're, they're very, you know, I think for them in terms of leverage, we're talking about you know, going from an 11% playoff probability with a loss to 31% with a win. So they're very much in the hunt if they win. Yep. But the Bears defense is good. And, and they're top five in yards per play allowed. The thing that they're not doing this year is forcing the turnovers. It's exactly what we said. Defense is unstable. And also defense's effect, is, effect on your wins and losses is, is even more unstable. So when I look at this game, I, I think the Bears are a little bit live as an underdog. Um, and while I can see the Rams, obviously, you know, putting it all together here, they have to convince me first. I think the bears are a super live dog. And here's why the Jared Goff looks terrified. He is missing these play action shots that just, he wasn't missing before. He's got some like really kind of weird looking footwork. I mean, the numbers for them on play action is just horrific. And the receivers are not playing as well either. Eight drops. They had four all of last season off of play action. Um, So it's just really not good. And Goff is throwing the ball shorter. He's throwing the ball um, with less accuracy. And their offensive line is only getting worse. Rob Havenstein won't be playing. So they're going to have three guys that are not uh, supposed to be starting in there. And... They have shown literally no ability to have a quick passing game. They run less quick game than any team in the NFL. And so it's a recipe, honestly, for disaster. The screen game has gone away. It used to be so effective, top five in the NFL, and now it's bottom five. So the Bears, while they are very bad, can just kind of take advantage of you yeah. know the, the Rams being just as bad and play this like stinker of a close game. We were, I think, a little bit ahead of the time in proposing a Jared Goff, moving on from Jared Goff when he was playing well. Yeah. Now there's significant loss of value, not only because you gave him the money, but also because he's played poorly. The, how much of a cautionary tale are the Rams for future teams? It, it should be a big one. And I don't think we're going to quite feel the brunt of it until things start to go south. If they can somehow turn it around, finish ten and six, nine and seven, something like that. You know, whatever it is, then and they can repair the offensive line and and. But with what though? I, I don't know. I'm just saying, if that can happen, teams will not view this as a cautionary tale. But if things go south, it will be a huge one. And Jared Goff, who doesn't deserve as much hate. Yes, you know, as I, I agree. He just signed a big contract because anyone else would. And he's trying out there, you know, and he has some yeah. real talent. Um, man, we talked about Sean McVay and Jared Goff needing to redefine that offense a little bit this offseason. It doesn't look as though they have, and it's getting bad. And if they end up losing this game or going on a real skid, they're, they're going to need to do something this offseason. All right, uh, let's move on to the games that we're going to go very quickly through. Dallas goes to Detroit. Is Matt Stafford going to play? Uh, it doesn't look like it. I would say... But the books are certainly hedging here. If you go to Green Line, we have that Driscoll's playing. Yeah. And that's why our numbers are where they are. But I don't even see a, a consensus total on this game right now. Um, so if you're just lay off this game, <laughs> you know, for now, you just don't know enough about it. If you do <clears throat> somehow get privy to the information, I'm still going to tell you, though. I don't know. It's much like the Chicago Bears. If you bet Chicago last week after the Driscoll, you know, uh, report happened and you got them minus six and a half. Congratulations. You got to the window, but you almost lost the game outright. So I don't think Driscoll's great, but I think I don't, I, I, if you get anything like a, near a touchdown here with, 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 uh, the Cowboys and you and you bet it, I think you're, I, I think you're mistaken. Agreed. Moving on. New Orleans goes to Tampa Bay. The New Orleans saints <clears throat> are five and a half point favorites. And the 
narrative we talked about on Monday morning was that, look, the Saints, they just lost in an embarrassing fashion to the Atlanta Falcons. This is a game that they come out and just stop all over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At the same time, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at home. They're kind of frisky. They've got Jameis Winston. He's going to you know, make some plays down the field for one team or the other. And so I actually think if I had to bet one side of this game, I would lean towards the over um, as opposed to taking one side. Yeah, I mean, this this game has overwritten all over it. I, honestly, the team that will keep this game from going over is the Saints because Tampa Bay is an over team at this point. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't particularly like either side. If you have to take five and a half one way or the other, which way are you Tampa. Jameis keeps both teams in the game. Whew, I'll go to New Orleans. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals go to San Francisco, and they yeah. were 11-point underdogs. It's now moved down to 10. They played this game close in Arizona. Okay, here's a question. Did they, though? Because the that, game, Well, that was going to be my question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because cause that game was 28-14. Kingsbury drives inside of Niners territory, kicks a field goal to cut it to 11. Well, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't, yeah. I mean, cut it from a two-score game to a two-score game. And then they get like a 90-yard kind of fluky touchdown to Andy Isabella. The Niners were never in danger of losing that game, in my opinion. Um, so... I think people are overreacting to the Cardinals being the Cardinals being competitive in every game, which is great for them. And the Niners losing on Monday Night Football because this game was 10 in Arizona. And now you're just going to say you're going to make basically a six point movement based upon what's happened the last two weeks. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a, an aggressive movement. I think there'll be a lot of people that are going to like the Cardinals here. And let me give a little bit of fair warning. The Arizona Cardinals defense is a disaster and got shredded. And I know George Kittle might not play. looks doubtful. Emmanuel Sanders is a game-time decision. But that means that all the other receivers are actually getting a chance to play, uh, to practice the position they're going to play, which is going to make a huge difference. And the Arizona Cardinals are not going to create this sort of disruption with Russell Wilson that the Cardinals are going to do with Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray is great, but he's not Russell Wilson. Right. And so there's not going to be that added pressure to play like perfect the whole time, which I think helps the, the 49ers quite a bit. So this is actually a game that, that I think I would lay off. You have to take one side of 10. Which side do you go? Well, that's uh, it, it's sort of a sucky thing. I still take Arizona just because of the I just think that number's too big for a team like San Francisco. So, yep, I, I think we know way less about San Francisco than we'd like to admit. The Cincinnati Bengals go to Oakland, and the Oakland Raiders are a double-digit favorite for like the third time in 15 years. Um, and I think it's warranted because the Bengals are really, really bad, and the Raiders are a good offense. Uh, would you would you be enticed, perhaps, to take the Raiders as a 10.5-point favorite? Yeah. I think the Bengals... Well, so here's the thing. And again, we're going to talk about the total here, but the... The Raiders are a the Raiders are kind of Ramsian from 2017, right? Where they're a team that like is is going went from bad to decent, right? Not great, and in going from bad to decent, what do those teams like to do? They like to blow the doors off of terrible teams. Oh yeah. So I I I like you know I kind of like laying the points with the Raiders here. Um, I Greenline would not you know it's not, it's not a above break even sort of a bet though what i really like though is i like the under i think the bengals saw what trying to play ryan finley straight up last week was going to do which is going to yeah you know really snowball on them and i and the raiders are a team they run the ball 44 percent of the time they're relatively efficient at it but not so efficient that they're like the niners that they're just gonna like run up and down the field on teams and so I think this this game, like to me, is like thirty eight nothing, thirty eight thirty eight three, thirty eight ten. All those things get under the total. And um, Carr is not a like sort of Carr has been a deep, a big play guy, you know, during this season. But what he likes the most is being efficient underneath, and I think that that all plays to the under. Yeah, I don't like unders, but I like this one. Finley has zero big time throws. Eight percent of his passes turnover worthy last week, so you love to see it. Yeah, it's like something that you just don't like in general, but it's the best of that thing. Yeah, this is that. I don't know what's that for you. Uh, fast food and Chipotle. Oh, so fast food I don't really like, but I like Chipotle. I was gonna say beer, but I can't really think of a beer that I. Uh, yeah, I guess I like Mexican beer with a lime and some tacos and an over. 
and an over. Yeah, give me the cocktail every time. Um, what else do we have? We're almost done. I think we just have Jags Colts. Oh yes. Jack, oh, we have two more. Jags, Colts, and uh, Jets, Redskins. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't counting that yeah. as an NFL game. Sorry. Uh, so, the Jags, Colts is interesting because um, of the Jacoby Brissett thing. Looks like he'll play be back. So, the Colts are three-point favorites. And Nick Foles is playing for the Jags. We don't know a whole ton about you know the Nick Foles-led Jags. The Colts, though, kind of need to win a game. So... If I have to go one way or the other, I'm taking the Colts minus three. Your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I think the cool. Colts get back uh, on track. I think Reich's good enough to get them back on track. I liked your thoughts there. Good thoughts. Jets, Redskins. The Redskins are two-point favorites, which I think is freaking hilarious. So um, I hate all sides of this game. Yeah, I I don't know why we're we're – I don't know why the Washingtons are favored other than they're at home. But it seems like this number has creeped out. It went from minus one to minus one and a half all the way down to minus two. Uh, yeah. I mean, there there is some value on the over, but how does the over hit in this game? Does it? Like, how lay out a situation where this over hits besides, ha, um, besides, you know, Haskins throwing like seven pick sixes? Uh, I, I, punt return (laughs) i don't know i mean we could get haskins off of a bye playing a lot better we saw that you know obviously with the jets at time you know so you basically need to get both teams greatest and it's 38 and a half it's not it's an nfl game under 40 so yeah that's the only thing i have to say about this game is wow terrible all right that's the slate uh lock of the week kansas city los angeles chargers over Real quick, story from the Cincy Y. I've got one. Do you? I do, yeah. Okay. Give it to me. Well, somebody... So, I don't have a locker in the locker room. I just change wherever I want to change because I'm that kind of guy. In, in fairness, like, there's just plenty of lockers everywhere. That's true, but I'm also, like, 6'3", you know, and I it sort of... It, don't want to be... Cons- you could take up three lockers. That, that'd be a power move. Anyways, you don't. My power move is more that I just, like, change next to, like, the table... And so I apparently had like one of my towels that I was using was next was like two inches away from the set of sauna towels, which people just like, you know, put like sit their bare ass on. Right. And so this like guy is probably about five, seven came by and he said he basically said, like, why? Why are you changing your Why don't you get a locker? And I said, are you going to be okay? And he and he like looked like he wanted to fight me. And then i sort of looked down at him even more profoundly i said are you going to survive and he and and he he continued to he said you know he's like what do you mean i'm like well are you going to be okay or is this going to be a problem and he just like walked away so i almost got into a fight at the y what this tells me is that i'm rubbing off on you because i've always been this way i just i just don't have i that is exactly what i would do and i'm so proud in this moment that i don't even want to tell my story because that just warmed my heart yeah, I mean, you treated that situation exactly how it should be treated. That peasant old man should go hang out in the sauna and leave everyone else alone. Right, exactly. Yeah, because right. no one wants to see that. Yeah. The the story that I had was related, uh, which is I heard two guys like cussing out YMCA employees yeah. because the sauna was closed on the weekend. Oh my gosh. And I just wanted to, I really wanted to hear the conversation between them and their wives. It was like, yeah, honey, I've got to go. You know, Ned and I are going to go sit in the sauna for three hours. <laughs> what? The uh, Go find something else to do. My bro. favorite thing at the Y is old people complaining about young people. Working out? Well, no, actually like, like leaving out. shavings in like the in like the. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah. One before. And my thing is, is like, how do you know it's young people? How do you know? Like true. Like People all over the age of 35 have been inconsiderate their entire freaking lives. That's a good point. And, and you, you, of course, like projecting onto young generations is something like, if I fail in life, that's going to be like the one thing I fail at because I refuse to. It's pretty special. Also, the pool water was five degrees colder than normal yesterday. Five? Fifteen? No, five feels like 15 because that's how water temperature oh works. Oh, gosh. Like a degree in water temperature is pretty noticeable, so it was down five degrees, and people were just like freezing their their limbs off. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty funny. People were like getting in and then like swimming a couple laps and getting out. 
pretty great. All right, that's our show. We're going to be back late uh, with you on Sunday night, so make sure on your drive into work or your ride, whatever it is that you do, you pop that podcast on and get some value early in the week. Thank you for tuning in. See you guys later. Mm-hmm.